And now, it's time for the Tech EU Drive at 5 with Robin Bouters and Dan Taylor. Let's do this. Well, all right, all right, all right. You have found it. This is the Tech EU Drive at 5. I am your host, Dan Taylor. And we are the droids you're looking for. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is episode 666. No, well, no, it's it's not episode 666. But I do have the mark of the beast with me today. The inimitable... Now, wait a minute. I got to get this right. Robin Robin was at Tech BBQ, Tech Barbecue. Neil, how is it? Is it barbecue or BBQ? Uh, I think we say barbecue. 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 Yep. Okay. Well, let me back up. I've got with me the inimitable Neil... S.W. Murray, founder of the Nordic Web, founding partner at the Nordic Web Ventures, and co-founder and CEO at Playmaker. Neil, welcome to the show. How's your Friday going? Thank you, Dan. Great to be here. Um, it's going okay. So I was also at Tech Barbecue with with Robin. Um, yeah. I didn't join the festivities last night, so I think I'm feeling <laughs> a little better than maybe Robin is today, which right. may be partly right why I'm on the show. No, he's actually traveling back. That's why he asked me to to do it. Um, but no, we've been... Truth be told. Yeah, well, I do uh, like. Uh, well, I do have a little story about Robin um, that, that I would like to tell. So yesterday, we, we finally managed to see each other in the afternoon um, after I'm sure he was deliberately avoiding me uh, until then. And then he said, let's have a beer together. I'll buy you a beer. And I said, okay, great. Let's, let's do that. We walk over to the beer place and he said, oh, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I've, I, I don't have my wallet on me. <laughs> uh, I was like, and then, and, and then he finished the sentence with, I don't have my wallet on me. I've left it in the speaker's lounge. And I was like, wow. You've changed, Robin. You've changed. You mean where they have the free beer? Exactly. Speakers lounge. Exactly. Right. And then the worst thing was, so I buy the beers, and as I tap my card on the machine, he of course says, "Oh yeah, I could have just paid on my phone, I guess." <laughs> that's uh, that's our that's our founder, Robin Vouters. Up, uh, he's high tech. Yeah, I did say I, I will. I will embarrass. Uh, I will embarrass you by saying that story on the podcast. He he agreed to it. First, very so. good. Very good. Very good. Well, listen, Neil, I do want to get into tech. Barbit, BB, bar, beef and meat on a grill yeah. and tech. Yeah. But as it is the drive at five, we like to recap the news of the week, as it were. Um, but as we have you here, I do want to get your take on tech barbecue, <laughs> question mark. But a couple things that caught my attention this week, and, and maybe you saw this, the rise of the East. It seems to me... And, and I know I'm not alone because our good friend Mike Butcher pointed it out as well, that Central and Eastern Europe, north to south, is uh, finally come into its own. It's, it's getting its due. 500 emerging Europe announced more than 50 million raised for a fund targeted at 70 million. Now, when I first saw this story, do you, do you know 500 emerging Europe, Neil? I get a little confused. As to their relation to 500 startups and right. 500, yes, a little confused. I, yeah. Exactly. That, that was my thinking as well. And so I had to do a double take. 500 Emerging Europe is now a rebranded 500 Istanbul, which has always been a bit of a question to me as well. From what I've dug up, it's, I'm doing air quotes now, loosely associated with the global brand of 500 startups so it there's 500 and they've got 
50 million to deploy in uh, Eastern, Central Eastern, uh, North and South Europe. And, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, friend of the show, Stefan Gonchev over at Launch Hub, we all know Stefan, uh, last year, just before Christmas, I, I, I believe it was just before Christmas, I, I was ready to just kind of cruise right on into the Christmas season. Uh, last minute, Stefan, hey, 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 dude, 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 can you do, I, we got some news, can you do the write-up? He comes at me with a 74 million euro fund, uh, which is just a few weeks after Athens-based Venture Friends uh, announces a 100 million euro fund, and Vitosha Venture Partners has raised 30 million. Uh, they're all targeting the same space. So, like I said, it seems to me that what happened in Western Europe, say 15 years ago, is now happening in Central Eastern Europe. And I think this is great because, you know, the, the, the Central Eastern Europe region has kind of I don't know, shall we say traditionally or typically kind of been the, the backbone of a lot of these Western European countries. Yep. You know, a lot of the programmers, developers all coming from the region. And now uh, it seems to be that the, the, system, the uh, ecosystem is matured to a level where they're saying, well, wait a minute, wh why, why are we, you know, breaking our backs here, <laughs> building these companies for these guys? Let, let's just do it ourselves. And, and clearly investors are, are taking notice. Well, I think I think you definitely uh, uh, are on the right track. At least I, I agree with what you say. I think you you nailed it when you talk about maturity, right? I mean, to some extent, this feels like an inevitability because we have seen how this plays out in other parts of Europe. And you mentioned kind of 15 years ago in Western Europe. Absolutely agree with you. And I think that as as I'm here in Denmark and have been active in the Nordic ecosystem for 10 years, I would say that we were a little bit behind that here so it's been gradually kind of going more and more east or we're kind of north here but we're still to the east of say london and and paris at least um and i feel like that that was something that developed in this ecosystem and is now kind of happening there as well so nordics were kind of a few years behind the london paris berlins and maybe kind of central and eastern a little bit behind kind of the nordics and we're just seeing the same things play out in an ecosystem. So there's kind of, you know, one, two, it only takes kind of one, two big success stories. And then the whole self-fulfilling prophecy of ecosystems come into play. Then people start paying attention. So more money comes in, more money comes in, more talent comes in. The mm. media, you guys, you start thinking, oh, there's something happening here. You write about it. Then investors think, oh, we should also be paying attention there. And the whole ball is suddenly rolling, right? And yeah. I think that that's exactly it. It's this maturity level that at some point you reach this, I, I guess, kind of, um, you know, velocity, escape velocity of the ecosystem um, where everything starts moving how it should do. And to me, I, I, I think you also talked about the talent in terms of development and you know, it's it's a great region, and I think that that you know, if they also kind of deserve the the same capital kind of backing their talent that we have seen in the Nordics in Western Europe. So I think it's a great development for Europe as a whole as well. Sort of overarching that, if you will, um, we've seen U.S. investors really taking note of Europe in the yep. past year year and a half, two years maybe now, probably even more than that, but but notably in the past couple of years. And Energy Impact Partners, a New York City-based firm, 
announced that they are going to plow 390 million euros into EU-based startups that are focusing on, again, air quotes, and I love this, keyword bingo time. Ready, Neil? You got your card ready? Watch this. Here we go. Ready? Watch this. Direct from the press release. Mission-driven companies with established products, markets, and customers across the full spectrum of energy transition. Did, did you get a bingo? I mean, I got yeah, B-I-N-O. Do, do, do you say house or do you say bingo? But but you got it. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. But but it, I think it does fall in line, uh, you know, with, with the U.S. investors sitting up, taking notice of European properties, as you said, not wanting to miss out on the game. And carbon removal, net zero, I mean, it, it, it is the hot topic of the day. Um, which, which is, which is great. You know, I mean, uh, more, more money for, for, uh, us here in Europe is, is fine by me and, uh, energy. Well, I, you know, as I, I said, I said on the uh, show last week, I don't know if you've looked at your utility bill lately, but, uh, but yeah, I, I have, yeah, octopus it's, it's energy. Bad in Denmark as well. It's, it's bad in Denmark as well. I mean, yeah. I have octopus energy and I, they have the, you know, they give you this little thing that you can. And every day I walk past that thing and it says over budget. And I think to myself, fuck, it's not even like the end of September nope. yet. Nope. I mean, this winter, I, <laughs> when I said to my girlfriend the other day, I was like, babe, more sweaters, more jumpers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's going to, we're, we're going to be walking around covered in, in sweaters and jumpers. Uh, so in the Nordics, I can't even imagine. Nope. <laughs> nope. I, I, nope. I'm literally <laughs> coughing at, yeah. I'm coughing yeah. at the thought. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same situation here. I think we're gonna insulate the flat with duvets. Yeah, um, that 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 seems like the 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 cheaper thing to do right now. Um, Fair enough. So no, it's uh, yeah, same situation here. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's interesting. U.S. money coming in, and you 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 know you made the joke about buzzwords. I also think that you know kind of energy, uh, mission driven. You know, they they all are, and I think that. It's a trend of U.S. money coming in, but it's also like overall and tying in my experience at Tech Barbecue. I think the main kind of conversations that were going on, or like the main trends I've seen, is a lot of lot of entrepreneurs, uh, typically successful, exited entrepreneurs in particular, are kind of doing more and more in the climate space, in a kind of mission space or mission driven space. So I think that. We won't just see U.S. money go into it in Europe. We're going to see entrepreneurs go into it. We're going to see kind of venture funds more and more go into it themselves. European funds focus on it. I think we, you know, I think it's just such a huge, huge sector, but also an interest of of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs right now. Um, I think I also saw that, you know, North Zone had, had hired a head of sustainability. That's right, um, yeah. We are, which also would work with their portfolio companies as well. So it's it's just, you know, across the industry, not just in energy, but but in all areas of sustainability and kind of mission-driven, positive um, for the world is just such a big topic right now. So more mm. money for that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Worth noting, Balderton has recently done the same. Ah, Neil, give us, you know, you, you, you talked briefly about the tech BBQ, tech barbecue. I'm going to get that wrong several more times. Yeah, so what, what are your, uh, what are some of the big highlights? I mean, obviously Robin's talk with Erica Chung. That's yes. the one. Thank you very yeah. much. The, the whistleblower. That was a highlight, yes. but uh, yeah. what else, what else did you take away? Yeah. Um, I didn't see many talks to be, to be completely honest with you. Um, I felt that 
I hadn't been to an event for like the last two or three years because I'd been heads down on, on the company and obviously COVID, but um, with the company as well, I hadn't been out there at all. I popped in to Tech Barbecue last year and it didn't, there wasn't a big international audience quite yet last year because of the back end of kind of COVID in Denmark, at least it had been open for a while here. Um, but this time it it really felt like people were back and that events were back and big events were back um so i think the people like the overall atmosphere was, was fantastic one thing i one of my overall impressions was that to me it felt that there was a lot less bullshit than mm. kind of before and you know there was a lot less talking about who's raising from who who, who who's doing what you know you know just get grab that investor over there um it, it felt like there was less of that and more like genuine conversation. Like, like I said, people were talking about kind of what, what do I, you know, what contribution can I make? Or like, I talked to a lot of people about failure. I just, just, my company has just recently failed. And I had many discussions with other entrepreneurs who have also been through that experience this year. Obviously that's quite a common theme uh, in mm -hmm. 2022, unfortunately as well. So there was no lack of people um, in my situation as well. So had some amazing kind of very honest, deep conversations with other founders and people were very willing to, to kind of talk honestly about those things. And, and to me, that was like quite a refreshing change from say the normal bravado of events and, you know, money and who's raised from who, and we've raised a new fund. And I would say there was less bravado and a bit more real talk. So that was, that was very refreshing. Nice, nice. So less bullshit, more reality, lots of failure. Well, yeah. Neil, if, if you're open to it, and, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am going to put you on the spot. <laughs> you mentioned failure. Now, you know, founder of the Nordic Web, founding partner at Nordic Web Ventures, we all got that. Co-founder and CEO at Playmaker. What the fuck was Playmaker? What is, is was the correct is verb? was, yeah, probably was. Well, the product was? is going to live on. Okay. Um, but the company uh unfortunately is not. Kind of the big vision for it was that we wanted to essentially take a more social gamified approach to when people watch live sports and when they engage with live sports. So today you pretty much like bet, you know, real money on a game if you want that extra kind of hit from watching it right and we felt that like kind of gambling was uh especially gambling in the sports industry was an industry which was going to be kind of regulatory challenged over the next 10 years but also there was more of a backlash from people themselves and like people are less interested in being associated with gambling companies that they don't mm. want their kids exposed to it like there's there's issues with sponsorship on football team shirts now and so we, we started with kind of fantasy sports as we felt that that was a, a kind of uh, healthier way that people engaged with it. And we really just felt that like the next generation of sports fans like cared more about kind of playing games with their friends online than they do kind of betting $20 to win $40. Mm -hmm. um, and the product was essentially a community for people playing fantasy sports today with like mini games and a lot of data and statistics. You could follow the games live. Um, and essentially it was kind of the bigger vision was to be a Roblox for live sports. So people could mm. create their own little mini games while they were watching real life sports games. So that was kind of the vision. Um, 
you know, why, why did it fail? I, I've been reflecting a lot on that. And actually my conclusion, I've been asked that in the last couple of days at the event as well. My conclusion is that there is no kind of singular point of failure when a company fails. Sure. And you, you like, I don't think I can say it's one thing that meant that we failed. You know, we made plenty of mistakes. We had plenty of good luck along the way, plenty of bad luck along the way, and we made plenty of mistakes. You can definitely look back at like critical moments mm. or like fit overall things that you definitely did wrong and are quite clearly wrong. Yeah. But I don't think you can identify a single point of failure. Fair enough. We are running out of time because I do like to keep this short and sweet. If I've got a startup right now, or if I'm gonna start a, if I'm gonna start up a startup right now, give me three key points to keep in mind before I even put pen to paper. Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think first of all that you have to be willing to spend the next kind of 10 years of your life doing it. And even though I've just spent three life three years of my life and the three lives. Failed, yeah, you spent three right, lives. <laughs> it feels like I've spent three <laughs> lives. Let me tell you that. Um <laughs> that uh that you know you have to be willing to kind of put everything you have into it. Um and so it has to be something that like you're so passionate about. Like I really think that no one should start a company for the sake of starting a company um, and that they should start a company because it's the only thing that they can think about and that they don't, you know, they can't imagine doing anything else. And, you know, they just have to do that company. So mm -hmm. first of all, it's like that you have to feel like you have to do that company, not even want to do that company, but have to. Okay. Um, the second thing I would say is that, you know, and maybe this is a bit of a controversial point because there's like almost no other way to do it. But one thing that I found, especially kind of in the last six months or so, as kind of things were, were harder and kind of failure was beginning to set in, is kind of managing, try to separate yourself and your identity from the company itself as well. Because, you know, you have to be kind of rational about things you have to kind of think clearly you have a responsibility to shareholders you have a responsibility to your team but it's also super hard to not get emotionally involved yeah you know you, you also have a company. responsibility to yourself though right exactly exactly yeah. right and yeah. i think that i definitely neglected that towards the end where it's just like i i felt so connected to it that all all you know that emotionally i was kind of too all in and it was mm. you know the failure of the company kind of was tied in a bit too close to myself. Um, yep. At least that's how it felt emotionally for me. So I would also say that, of course, you've got to give it your everything. And of course, it is you in, in many ways. But like, just be careful or just be aware of like the company and you are still two different entities, ultimately, right? Um, right. Because my company has just died. I luckily have not. Um, and you know, <laughs> life goes on, right? Like right. as much as you're, you're kind of, you know, hurting. Um, mm -hmm. so that would be my second point. Um, and then thirdly, I, I would say that, you know, you should also start, I mean, this is say a more traditional point, but like one thing that I was lucky with is that I had a great co-founder who had extremely complementary skills to me and vice versa. And so, you know, we always trusted each other in our own kind of fields. Um, and we were always able to speak completely 
honest with each other. We were we were rude to each other sometimes. We were direct <laughs> with each other, but we never fell out. Like there was never any bad blood, despite kind of speaking to each other like shit at times. And mm-hmm. I feel like you need that. You need to do the, you need to do it with someone that you can kind of have a bust up with, and two minutes later you're having a joke with. Um, right. And that no one takes that personally. And so, mm-hmm. like for me, that was that was very important and and kind of really helped. Uh, you know, while things were good and while things were bad. All right. So to sum up, have the compassion and compulsion to do the company. Stay true to yourself, and find a good partner that understands it's just business. It's not personal. Exactly. Exactly. Boom. Well, there yeah, we have you, it. You, you summed up that third point. I could have just said that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel as though I'm making the transition from reporter to journalist, and, and that is what we do. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I hate to cut it short. I've got, I could ask Neil 50,000 more questions, but it is the drive at five. We like to keep it short. I've been joined by Neil Murray today. My name is Dan Taylor. Yours is not. And I am out of here.